Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Just kind of bring you on board here. I have a lot of uh, content this morning, and so I want to respectfully uh, bring this to you. And so, if you're going, man, I uh, uh, if you want to be like super motivated today, today is you picked the wrong day to be here. I just want to offer you some truth that I think is really helpful in our world today. And if you missed last week, we started this new series called Happiness. How many know our world needs more of that? If you don't know the answer to that, it's yes! Okay? Because, so last week we looked at it and we said, what do we need to do to be more happy? And, and happiness, the word comes from happenings. And I'm not looking at happenings. I'm looking at really being content. How do we learn to be content in our world today? And, and how many think our world just kind of sucks at that? <laughs> yeah. We, we don't know how to be content today. We no longer do. Even And, and I think uh, we look at that. And so last week, the first series of happiness, we looked at how do we do this? What, where do we start? Like, where's the where's the beginning line? And last week, uh, I told you the biggest thing you can do is rest. And some of you are like, "Thank you, Pastor Chris." Like, you, you just went home and you slept all afternoon, and uh, you're welcome, by the way. And so, uh, I think that for us, we always think to be content, we got to do something, or we got to figure something out, or we got to have a way. We got to we got to know everything. And and uh, if you're married, only your wife does anyway, so get over it. And, and so you just have to realize you're not going to be able to do enough to be at that place of rest. And so really challenged us last week to really find that place of rest, to take a step back, breathe, realize that God's got you, realize it's going to be okay no matter where you find yourself this morning. And so, uh, and then today I'm going to go a whole different way and I want to kind of set the stage here a little bit this morning and, uh, uh, just share with you some kind of personal history, I guess, with you. And uh, that's a scary part. If you ever become a pastor, sometimes you go, okay, how much How much do I share? How much do I not share? We want to be authentic and real, but I never want to scare anybody, okay? And uh, and so we're, we're, out, we're real. That's what it's about. A lot of you commented this week. Uh, somebody posted on the bridge site, you know, what are you grateful for? And a lot of you just said our pastors are real. And I just want to say thank you. That's uh, something that's really important to us. We are just normal people. People, I mean, Derek's a little odd, but for the most part, we're normal people, and uh, we just want to do life with people, man. Uh, we're not just because I'm six inches taller on this stage sharing a message um, doesn't mean that I have arrived or I have the rights to share this. Uh, I walk in hypocrisy from time to time. I don't walk it out perfectly from time to time. Um, unlike, you know, is there anybody here that walks it out just perfectly? No. And so, um, it's not that God, you know, calls the qualified; He qualifies the called. And, and I'm not just saying that about Derek and myself. That's for any of you who say you're a Christ follower. Let him take you to the next place in your journey. Allow him to bring the happiness that only he can bestow upon you that you can't find or do on your own. Taking a nap's where it starts, but then there's more to it. 
So I want to travel back in time, just a little bit of my story here, very briefly. Uh, it was uh, second grade, third grade, and I used to go out and, and we would play in the sand. Do you remember doing that back you know, before Xbox? We, we actually played in the sand with cars, and we'd like crash them into each other. And, and I had a toy you know, from the Dukes of Hazard, and, and I had you know, the Jeep and all the cars, and we'd just smash them into each other, and we'd build all this stuff in the sand, and it was so much fun. And I developed these relationships with these neighbor boys, and i got to tell you, I probably would not have been friends with them unless we lived by them. And then my parents moved. And, and then they moved again. And they moved again. And they moved again. And they moved again. At 14 times that I can remember. We moved. Now it was always in Anoka County. I don't know why. But I remember going to McKinley Elementary from kindergarten through fourth grade. Well then we moved one other house. And all of a sudden all my neighbor friends that we used to play in the sandbox together. And can I just say this? I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. Can we just play nice in the sandbox together? A little side note. Moving on. And so... <laughs> Not that that's relevant to our world today. Um, and, and so I remember going, where are my sandbox buddies? I don't have them anymore. And I remember getting into this state of depression that to be very honest with you today, it's something I still wrestle with. From that moment on, it was something that, that triggered something in me. I remember feeling lonely and I remember feeling like, man, what do I do? And some people say, well, you're a pastor. You're around people all the time. Sometimes that thing still is hard for me. So today I'm not preaching from uh, an element of fiction or an element of, hey, here's some theory. I'm preaching to you out of my experience today. And, and I, I'm preaching to you out of fact today. I'm not a doctorate. I'm not a psychologist when it comes to uh, depression, anxiety, despondency. I've taken some classes. I know some stuff. Um, but I, don't, don't take my word for this. Test the Word of God and make sure you test it with professionals as well. And so... Anyway, I remember going to sixth grade. We moved, and it was the first time I had to move out of school. And we moved to Washington Elementary. And it's no longer there. It was in Anoka High School. I didn't know anybody. And I tell you what, I went in there. I was scared to death in that lunchroom. I, I had panic attacks, anxiety attacks. I never wanted to go back to school ever again because I got in there, and I didn't know anybody. And it was scary because, can I just tell you something? In sixth grade, not a lot of people coming up to you going, how's it going? So walk into the lunchroom and get, you know, nasty lasagna with hair in it. And I sit down by myself for probably the first couple months. And, and then there was the table. And come on, let's just be real. You got like, you got your different tables in the cafeteria, right? You remember the tables? There's always that one table that kind of smells funny. And, and they look funny. And they're awkward. And they got names. It's, it's, we call it the nerd table. You remember that table? How many know what I'm talking about? Does anyone not know what I'm talking about? Okay, if you're homeschooled, I'm sorry. But there, there was a nerd table. Okay, if you were homeschooled, there was only one of those. And so in... You got it. So, so here I am... Nobody else is talking to me. These guys come over and say, hey, you want to chat? And so I, I go over to, to that table, and they started reaching out. We started just talking and chatting, and they were, they were awesome. They were just welcoming. No matter, they didn't care where I came from. They were just excited to have somebody just to chat with, you know? And so we became friends. I'm actually friends with some of those people still today. But my depression didn't stop. I thought for that moment, well, I'm good enough for the nerd table, but I'm not good enough for... For this table over here. And and I remember and I know none of you have ever felt that way, just me, so we'll share my crap because you don't have any. And uh, I remember during that year I actually went to the counselor at Washington Elementary and 
and met with uh, her once a week. The Hardys and Anoka will have a special place in my life because every Thursday she would take me out to this place. She was older, uh, social worker, lady, counselor, and would just invest in my life because she knew I was struggling with it. So here's what I want to say to you today. I'm not here looking for a woe is me. I'm not, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, but I want you to know that for those of you that deal with depression or anxiety, that it's a real thing. And so I want to unpack some stuff biblically this morning, but I want to give you, give you a lot of content. I have a lot of slides. I have a lot of scripture. So if you're ready and buckled up and ready for the fire hydrant message today, just say yeah. yeah. All right. So one in nine, one in nine today in America, one in nine are on some type of depression medication. One in five today, this is before March actually of this year, one in five have been diagnosed as full-on depression. Okay, that's one in five. That's 20% of our culture. Okay, let me put this uh, up on the screen for you. Just a definition of depression. Do we have that? Perfect. Depression is a mood disorder characterized by the inability to feel pleasure, extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. Now let me just share this with you this morning. Um, Every single person should find themselves up here somewhere. If you don't find yourself up here somewhere, you're probably lying to yourself, and the biggest liar to ourselves is us. Okay? We've all been there. Everybody at one point in their time has dealt with one of these things on this screen right now. Depression. Ready for this? The number one health problem in the world today. There's no greater health problem in the world than depression. But there's this stigma of depression. I'll give you a great example. Okay? So so think pre-COVID, because now if anybody sneezes, they're the Antichrist. Okay? But pre-COVID, all right, pre-COVID. If I had a cold, you'd be like, whatever, he's just sick. He he just has a cold, it's fine, not a big deal, whatever. You just accept it as him being sick. But if it's depression, there's this stigma. Like, whoa, there must be something wrong with him. There's this stigma that's there. And this stigma is undoctrinated, it's unscientific, it's not biblically true. Mental health is a huge crisis, and for whatever reason as a church, we don't talk about it enough, we're not open about it enough, and we have to be. That's where it starts, is just having a conversation with it, okay? You know, and, and let me just, I want to put this on the screen, okay? And if you, if you agree with this, I just want you to say amen or clap or both, because this is a church and this is what we want it to be. Uh, it's okay not to be okay. Come on, all right? Come on. It's okay not to be okay. All right? I'm tired of churches where you go, man, I got to go in there. I got to pretend to be somebody. I, I don't want that. That's not, that's not who we are. You don't have to pretend to be anybody here at the Bridge Church. You don't have to. You can show up mangled, bruised, battered, with depression, with anxiety, with cold. cold. I, don't, I don't care. You're welcome here because we all need a Savior. We all need Him. All right? Stephen Lardy, he's one of the practicing depression uh, geeks. He's one of the big time guys. I stole this out of his book um, and it says this. It says, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, come on, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. I agree with that. Okay, This is a secular guy. He's not even a Christian. But what a great statement that matches perfectly biblically. And I want to unpack this this morning. Depression in America since March of this year is up by 33% and growing. Why? Well, um, I, think, I think he's on to something there. 
He's either on something or onto something, all right? That was funny. And let me say this, for those of you that deal with depression, you can be around people all the time and still feel alone. So I'm not talking just about physical isolation when you're at home. That's, you're, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. It's a sickness. It's mental health. There's hope. And I want to talk about that today because some of us have been told, and I believe it's a lie, well, depression is just hereditary. It's just what I'm, I'm born with. No, there's doctors now and, and most psychologists believe that most depression is circumstantial. Now, I'm not saying there's not other issues involved there, but it's circumstances, as we can see from the last few months, bring it out. It brings out fruition. It brings it to the light. And unless it's brought to the light, it can't be dealt with. So praise God that it's coming out, that churches are talking about it, because it is a thing that needs to be. Most depression is, most depression happens by the way that we live our lives. Okay? And the good news is, we can change it by the way we live. And I want you to have hope today. For those of you that have gone to doctors, or you've been on medication, or whatever it might be, I want you to have hope today. I want you to see that there's hope in Jesus' name that this can be fixed. Okay? In Jesus' name. Now, I say all that, but I want you, I, I want you to catch something here really, really quick. And I want to offer some encouragement. And here's the deal. In Jesus' name it can be fixed. However... I, I didn't grow up in church, then I started going to church, and I met, you ever met like super Christians? You know who I'm talking about, right? Like, they're like, just go spend time with God, it'll all be done, it'll all be taken care of for you. Like, like, dude, I got a problem. Oh, just, just, and, and you're like, I need to talk, like, I need this out. And, and if you're like me, that just doesn't always work like instantaneous, miraculous Jesus power. It's not like some, like, fairy dust from Peter Pan, you sprinkle on, you fly away, and you're all good. That's just not the way it works many times. It's a process that God brings us through. And so I want you to know today that I'm not here to go, well, there's something wrong with you, Jesus can fix it, and that's it. No, there's a plan, there's a purpose, there's a reason. It's biblical, and I want to unpack that. So let me just give you one precursor before I even dive into the meaty part of the message today. I'm going to talk about suicide for just a moment. So uh, I just want to warn you, um, we've had some people um, within our community that have walked through this in the last uh, few months. We've seen that. This is a real part of our life right now. This is not fact or fiction. And some people choose suicide as a fix to depression. Okay, in fact, 40,000 people a year choose suicide. That's 112 a day that are taking their life. It's the number one killer of people ages 15 through 24. There's no greater killer of people ages 15 to 24. It's twice the murder rate. If we want to talk about crime prevention, what about talking about prevention to depression? What about talking about it? Okay? So we're going to, as a church, make a commitment to be outspoken because our community needs this, and so do I and so do you need. Can I hear good amen or some applause right now? Come on, somebody. Come on. We've got to remove the stigma. There's this stigma attached to it still today. We as a church and as a people should not be shocked by somebody who's not okay. It shouldn't shock us. We should walk alongside of them. Well, you got problems. <laughs> you do too, bro. You know, this week on, on the St. Francis, what, what the heck's wrong with St. Francis page? Something broke my heart. I hate, I hate and love that page all at the same time. Like, you ever want to know anything that's going on in the city, read it. But it's like, it, it's just, some people just poop on my city and I don't like it. And, and I'm in there and I'm reading and this last week, 
um, somebody had just posted, uh, you know, their daughter who's just having a tough time making friends, tough, you know, really just, what was a cry for help? And, and my heart just like broke and I saw hundreds of other comments of people just broke and I go, this is a real thing. We need to step in. We need to be part of this solution. Not as a church go, like, the worst thing we can do as a church is say this right here. Oh, we'll just pray for you. Well, what if we take action and pray? What if we do both? And so I reached out, and you know, I haven't heard yet, but a lot of times we have to be that first one that takes that step in. Okay? Suicide. Listen, listen really careful to me right now, please. Suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You don't have to die to end your pain. Okay? I need you to get this through your skull. Any teenager that's listening to me online or right here, right now, I, need you, I want you to hear this. Young adult, you don't need to die to end your pain. Okay? You know, maybe you've thought, well, my family will be better off if, if I wasn't here. That is a lie from the pits of hell. And the more you think about it, the more it becomes life. That's not true. Nobody believes that. Okay? And let me just put up this number. I need to do this today because I want to make sure that we've got these uh, resources for you. This is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They're phenomenal to work with. Um, if you ever know of anybody or you're dealing with suicide, you call them right away. Call me. Anybody in our church, call right away. Make sure you have this number down. And so let me do this. I know it's a heavy topic. If you're with me, say yeah. Okay, yeah. so I want to offer some encouragement today. And, and I want to look at a, I want to look at three different stories biblically. Two I'm just going to fly through and the one uh, we're going to camp out in. So the first one I want to, to do, if you're reading with me, I want you to go to the book of Lamentations, actually. And uh, very rarely go there. Uh, the book Lamentations was written by a prophet. His name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was sent to the Israelites. He's preaching. He's prophesying to them. God's using him as he was a child. About you know, Most scholars say at about the age of 12, he started preaching to them about how to change and what they can do. Well, then he, he wrote the book of Jeremiah, and then he wrote this very short book called Lamentations, which is about lamenting. He's basically, he's depressed, and he's crying out, and he writes this. He's like, God, I don't know why. It, I don't think it worked, and God, you sent me, but I don't see what, what you wanted me to see. And he's just frustrated. Man, I tell you what, the Bible's so good because it's real people like you and me. So let me read to you what he said right here. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 17 through 20. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is, so I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. He's, he's thinking about his depression. I'll remember them and my soul is downcast with in me. Okay? He's just like, he's just having a bad day and he's just spelling it out. See, Jeremiah, what he what is he doing right here? He's lamenting. What is, he's remembering his pain. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you got pain? I'll do, okay? He's remembering it, but then there's this psychological term I want to give to you today, and it's called ruminating. If you're a psychologist, you know it. Uh, it's a new term for me, but ruminating is this. It's essentially where you think back of all the negative stuff and all the bad stuff that's happened in your life, and, and it's basically the same definition, ruminating, to bring it back up just like a cow would chew their cud, swallow it back down into the next stomach, bring it back up, vomit it back up, 
chew it again, swallow it again, bring it back up over and over. So every time that you and I bring back stuff from our past like this, every time we do it, what we're doing is it's getting a little grosser, it's getting a little darker, it's getting a little tougher to swallow, and we can't handle it. That's the idea behind ruminating. And so a lot of ruminating will end in depression. And so just realize, think when, when we do that. There's, there's an answer. We're going to talk about that. Okay? Uh, it's self-talk, though. And self-talk, uh, it, it's okay to feel bad, but it's not okay to have a conversation with yourself. How many have heard the old adage, hurt people, hurt hurt people, hurt people? Okay, well, well how often do we think about hurt people, hurt other people? But if you're hurting, the last person that you should be taking advice from is you. Okay? We lie to ourselves more than anyone else. Because we tell ourselves we're okay. We continue to put it down. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I got it. I got it. And, we, and we, put on, we put on the mask. Oh boy. I'm not talking about the COVID mask. We put on a mask and come to church. And here's the real weird part about it. You know, I know we get upset about masks and all that. Can I just tell you, it's okay to take the mask off here. And I'm talking about the mask of life. Because people for years have been coming to church with the mask on. Second Corinthians 1.8. This is Paul writing. He says, We do not want to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Ready for this? Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. In other words, life is too chaotic and too messy. I can't do it anymore. I'm done. Paul, the apostle, wrote two-thirds of our Old Test- New Testament. He's going, I just want to be done. I, can't, I, can't, I don't even know if I can go on anymore. Okay? Paul didn't think he could do it. And guess what? He wrote this down. Why? Why is this in the Bible? Because guess who it didn't shock? Did this shock God? Come on, say it with me. Did it shock God? No. no. Okay, this is a two-way street here today. Come on, come on. All right, so let me give you a recap of one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. If you're with me, say yeah. yeah. told you I'm coming at you like a fire extinguisher, fire hose, whatever today. Okay, so here's Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. Not Elisha, Elijah. There's two different dudes in the Bible. Elijah. He's the first. He's the older one, okay? Elijah is like one of the most phenomenal prophets. He's doing miracles. He's performing miracles over and over and over. And while he's doing these miracles... Finally, he gets to this place where he goes, I want to see who the real God is. And so these prophets of Satan, or in the Bible they call them prophets of Baal, they basically say, the prophets of Baal go, well, we're, it's our, our God's the real God, even though, even though he's going, no, he's not. And so he decides to have this little duel. I love duels, man. If you're not familiar with the story I've shared with it uh, a few years ago, here's Elijah, and he sets up this offering as a sacrifice on the altar to give to God. And the Baals, you know, there's 400 of them, and they set up theirs. They set this up to give to God. Okay, so while, he, while they're doing this, here's what they do. They call down fire. They call down on the prophets of Baal. They, they're just like calling out to nobody, essentially. What happens to that offering? What do you think happened? Anything? Nothing. Nothing happens because God, that God's fake God. It's not the real God. You know, come on. Real, well, the real God, please stand up. And so Elijah's over here. He's got his fire. And so Elijah is like so arrogant as a prophet. I love it. Because here's what he goes. He goes, yeah, buddy, 
you're on, you're on. You know what we're going to do? We're going to grab water jugs. And he starts dousing the fire. And he's like, and you think he's about ready to call down from God. And he goes, no, we're going to douse it again. And he douses it again. And he douses it a third time. And he's like, no, that's not enough. He builds a moat around it, fills it all with water, calls down from the God of gods, the King of kings. And here's what happens. Not only does God show up and consume his offering, consumes all the Baal's offerings as well. This incredible miracle. And then Elijah goes on, he annihilates over 400 of these prophets, kills them all in this phenomenal mountaintop experience. Now, read what happens after this phenomenal experience. Things are going so well. Life is awesome. Nothing could hinder him and his walk with God. But, chapter 19 of 1 Kings, here it is. Verses 1 through 4. Now Ahab told Jezebel... Well, you know it's bad right now with that name. Okay. Hey, don't ever name your kid Jezebel, by the way. All right. I refuse to do a baby dedication if you do. All right. Ahab told, Ahab told I'm totally serious. All right. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Here he is. So Jezebel, who's like nobody, really? No power. Not the real God sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Well, Elijah saw the miracle, right? Well, wait a second. What does it say here? Elijah, what, what? whoa, hold up. Time out. What? Elijah was afraid? And he ran for his life? Huh? When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his friends, well, servant says there, well, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came to a broom bush, or a broom tree, it's just a tree basically that offers shade, it's shorter, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die? I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. You don't see the Bible as relevant today. I don't know that you ever will. See, depression doesn't always come after your lowest of lows, does it? When does it come after your highs to highs? Think about it. Go through this and then all of a sudden it just hits you. Gets you when you're up, not when you're down. You know, this is an empty threat from Jezebel. I'll tell you what, my empty threat, how it comes for me, is after church on Sunday. On the ride home, if I'm in the car by myself on the way home, after you're all, you know, done at home, you're having lunch, and we're, we're done cleaning up, and we turn off the lights, and we turn off the sound and everything, and I go home... That moment in my car by myself is the scariest part of my Sunday. Because that's where my mind goes a lot of time. Well, did I say that point right? Did I not say that? Were they, did I, were they asleep? Were they awake? Did, did worship sound okay? Did it not? Were people on fit? Did the, did the mouth and everything line up? What if it didn't? And all of a sudden I get this voice in my head that says, probably wasn't good enough. Probably didn't do enough. It's the same thing. It happens to you too. It's an empty threat. Because you know what? In the last couple of weeks, we've been growing again as a church. Our offerings have been up as a church. We've seen two people come to, our, come to Christ in the last three weeks as a church. Come on, somebody. God's doing good things. But how many know it's really hard to focus on that when that voice of the enemy gets in there? Elijah runs for his life. Like, I'm done. But what did he do? He left his servant there. He was alone. He was isolated. He isolated himself. He wanted to deal with it by himself. You don't ever need to process stuff by yourself. When you're depressed, you're the last person you should be getting counseling from. 
Shouldn't happen. Okay? And he goes, I've had enough. I'm no better. No better than anybody that's gone before me. I'm just done. So let me give you this morning, and I could say there, there could be 120 of these, but I want to give you four things that really put Elijah in a bad place. So if you're a note taker, here you go, and I have them on the screen for you. Number one, faulty thinking. Really faulty thinking. This was an empty threat by Jezebel. There was no way for her to do it from, you know, from any way, shape, or form. From the military standpoint, from a God standpoint, she couldn't have done it. There was no bales left. No prophets left. Okay? Couldn't happen. It was an empty threat. But he believed in the empty threat. How many times do we believe the lies we tell ourselves? Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is... Say it with me. Whatever is true... Say it loud. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We've got to set our minds above. And I'll tell you what, the hardest time to do that is when you're by yourself and you're hearing those other voices. Don't process it on your own. Get with others. They will lift you up. They will tell you. If you say, hey, I need help. And guess what? It's our job to discern when somebody does need help, but sometimes we just can't because we wear masks. We hide it well. Everybody say number two. Isolation. We talked about it already. Isolation. Do not isolate when you're depressed. The biggest lie that the enemy can tell you is that you're the only one dealing with it. You're not. We just said one in five do. If you are dealing with depression, anxiety, despondency, any of that, realize you're not the only one. That's one of the biggest lies the enemy tells us. Well, I'm the only one that deals with Fill in the blank. Okay? There's other people that have walked through what you're walking through. Ecclesiastes 4.12. Love this verse. Maybe you've heard it at weddings, but it's for you and I every day. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Not just survive, but thrive, can conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken, or maybe you've heard a cord of three strands. Either way, it's the same thing. Church needs to be that place for us not to be isolated. We need people. Those of you that are watching online right now, I love you, but we miss you, and we, need, we want to see you. We need this. Can I hear a good amen from somebody? We need this, okay? Number three, led by feelings. Uh-oh. Faulty thinking, isolation. What else will put you in a bad place? Being led by your feelings. Okay? Can I just give you a little truth for a moment? Your feelings lie. No, they don't. (laughs) They just did. (laughs) Your feelings lie. All the time. The world is constantly validating feelings. Feelings... They're real. I'm not saying they're not real. They're just not always true. Okay? And so please, please hear me out right now. Elijah was feeling down. What was the fact? The fact was that God had just done an incredible miracle through his life. That was the fact. Can can you tell me what God couldn't do with what he had just done with that offering that Elijah presented? Is there anything that God couldn't do after that in his life? I I don't think so. That's the fact. That's what I'm reading. So don't listen or live by your feelings, but rather by facts. And, and, and so here's the deal. In today's world, how many know it's really hard to find facts? Well, Pastor Cruz, I don't listen to Fox. 
Pastor Chris, I don't listen to CNN. Well, you're both idiots. You want truth and facts? There it is. Okay? You're just giving them reason to pump more stuff out. And it's all bent on how they want it to be bent. Well, I feel the same way to you. That's because your feelings are there. They're just not always true. Well, that's not how I see that thing. Well, it's obvious we hear about it on Facebook every day. Okay? Getting a little real. Stepping on toes, hopefully. All right? The facts. So, so what do we do? Where do we find facts? What do we trust? Talked about this a few weeks ago. The only thing that I will trust and look at right now is the Word of God. There's nothing else. Period. Okay? That's what I'll go to. That's what I will give my life to. That is what I will defend. And I will let it to offend you all day long. I won't want to offend you because the Bible already does that enough. That's the fact and the truth I get. If you don't have that as a foundation, then ask yourself, what is your foundation? You need a foundation. John eight thirty two, Jesus says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many have heard that verse before? Anybody heard that verse before? Okay. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, what's the truth? Jesus goes on to say in the rest of John that he is the truth. He declares that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He says nobody can come to the Father except through him. He goes on to claim that he's the living God. He ticks off every Jewish person that lived during that day because he basically claimed to be God himself. So he's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. I've been sharing this in our small group on Wednesday nights. Which one is it? My prayer today is that you would call him your Lord. That you would accept him as Savior today. That's where it starts. Alright, and the fourth one? fourth one is comparison. What got him in a bad place? Comparison. Well, who did he compare himself to? What was the last thing we read? I don't know if you remember it. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He's coming from a phenomenal line of people. He's coming from Jacob, you know, who became Israel. He's coming from Abraham, where God provided in miraculous ways. He's coming from all that and going, I'm nothing compared to those guys. You know what he did? You know what he did with Jacob? You know what he did with Abraham? He went on their Instagram feed. And he's looking at their highlight reels. And he's going, oh my gosh, look at the way God provided. What he didn't realize is that God told Abraham to go sacrifice his son. You know, he's, he's not reading that. When do we put that stuff on Instagram? You know? Maybe we should start. Maybe we should be okay not being okay. You know, I, I know I make fun of social media a lot. And someday I'll get through to us. I, I'm just so tired of Facebook. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of it because what I'm seeing is a lot of hurt. It's breaking my heart. I'm just trying to help today. I hope it's helping. Has this been good so far? Doing alright? Is this helpful? Okay. Biggest comparison I see, sometimes for me, and, and I didn't even tell my wife I was preaching on this, so we're going to have a little talk later on this one today. It's not social media for me. You know the one that, that's really hard for me to swallow sometimes? HGTV. You laugh because you know it's true and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You turn that on, you're like, here's this normal couple with a salary of $16.8 million looking for a house on the beach. I'll just leave it there. Galatians 1.10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Or am I trying to please these people? You see, comparison, that's a trap. We're not living for an audience of one. We're trying to live for an audience of many. You will never please everybody. Can't do it. Okay? I have five kids. I gave up trying to do that. All right? You know what? I, we put the many together every week, and Heather and I are like, do you think our kids like that? You know what our answer is? We don't care. 
We don't. Really. We'll put anything on there. And we're like, we like that. They don't. Well, they can make peanut butter and jelly. Well, I don't like peanut butter and jelly. I don't know. Go forage, you know? We've been watching shows. We can forage. You can eat like grass and stuff. Go get it. <laughs> now, let me give you some real good encouragement here in the last few minutes, okay? Stay with me. We're going to be right really close to the time here today. He goes on. Doesn't The story doesn't end there. Can I just say to those of you right now here listening online, if you deal with depression or anxiety, you're in good company. And, and here's the deal. Um, your story doesn't have to finish there. There's still hope. If you've tried medicine, if you've tried psychologists, if you've tried counseling, if you've, you've tried all this other stuff, I just want you to have hope today. I want you to know that you don't have to be stuck in what it is that you're going through. There's other people going through it as well. There's hope. So the story doesn't end here with Elijah. I want to read the next verses. I encourage you to read this whole chapter later today if you get a chance. But just these four verses, chapter 5 through 9. Okay, after all this, I'm not as good as my ancestors. Then he goes on and says, Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. I love this. I love this. He fell asleep. At once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he lay down again. This is the greatest scripture ever in all of the Bible. I'm going to tell you why. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Come on, somebody. So he got up, he ate, and he drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. Here's four things that are going to help you not get in that bad place. Number one is this. Get healthy physically. Okay, Pastor Chris, you still need to lose some weight. Yep. So do some of you. Alright. We're all in this together. And here's the deal. We can talk about that kind of... But I want to go back to last week and the rest. What did he do? He laid down and took a nap. He slept. He didn't, with the, he didn't go to... He just, he just slept. He laid down. This is what some of you are going to do after church. And it's biblical. You're welcome. Alright. Well, honey, I told you you need to do dishes. Pastor Chris said I needed to sleep today. That's right. Okay, not only that, but then what happened? Where did the, the angel showed up? Come on, did you catch this? The angel showed up where? In his nap! Not at church! Well, Pastor Chris, we need to have a revival at church. No, we need one in our community. It doesn't happen in these walls. It happens outside of them. Okay? Alright, that's backwards. That's, that's really bad theology. Alright? Okay? We talked about rest. We talked about rest. What, what, did, you, did you see what happened? Okay, put, that, put that scripture back up. Will you go back to it once? I want you to catch this. Okay. Okay. One more. One more. Nope. Um, back. Back one more. No, no. No. Forward one. There we go. Thanks. Sorry. Okay. He ate and... So he's already down. He ate and drank. And then what did he do? He laid down again. <laughs> He's sleeping, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to go get some, you know, Chick-fil-A because it's Saturday. And he has Chick-fil-A and water, and then he lays down again. Why? To get physically healthy. He needed the rest. He's trying to do it on his own strength. Couldn't do it. Slow down. Slow down. Give God, not just today, if Sunday is your Sabbath, give Him the whole day. Not just church. Turn on something that bores you at home and then fall asleep. For me, it's golf. <laughs> if you watch golf, you have the most, you're the most patient person I've ever met. 
and there's something wrong with you. All right. Okay. I, you know, for my wife, you know what it is. I love watching, and she can't stand, but she loves it because she just falls asleep. Star Trek Next Generation, man. That's I put on. I love it. And she's like, oh, good night. Who's that guy with the weird ears? All right. All right. Psalm 127, verse 2. It says this. Ready? Come on, somebody. He grants sleep to those he loves. Can I hear a good amen this morning? That's in the Bible. I've never read the Bible before. I better start. Yeah, go for it. It's good stuff. God is trying to slow you down. Okay? And if you'd like to come watch my life the last three months, you can ask my wife and she will profess to testimony of this in my life. Number two. Everybody say number two. Everybody say number two. Are you with me? Say yeah. Okay, good. Here we go. Pour out your heart to God. He already knows what you're thinking anyway. Pour out your heart. That's what Jeremiah did. That's what Paul did. That's what Elijah did. Pour your heart out to him. God was not shocked by Elijah's need. And I would also go a little further to say, pour out your heart to the right people. Okay? The Bible says not to cast your pearls among swine. In other words, be careful who you share with. Share with the right people. You know who they are. Be okay, though. Pray her. Number three, experience God's power and His presence. You've got to experience God's power and His presence. If you don't do this, foundationally, you're going to get stuck. You need this. This is a huge part of our walk with God every day. You know, we go on later to reading this story. You see this enormous fire show up, the wind, there's an earthquake, all these things that happened that God did. He provided. But what's interesting in the text biblically, it says that God wasn't in those. I mean, he's the one that did them, but it said God wasn't in those. Well, that's showing God's power. God can just make an earthquake happen. He can make a fire happen. He can, you know, He's the one that can make the wind blow. On your way out today, the wind's blowing pretty fierce right now. You don't know where it comes. You don't know where it's going. You can't see it. You can feel it. You know it's there. That's power. That's God's power. He's with us all the time. But then, there's His presence. And it says later on in 1 Kings 19 that Elijah heard the still small voice. So not only was there God's power, but there was His presence. You need both to realize it's the lion and the lamb together. Psalm 46.10 If you don't get anything else out of this message today on depression, I want you to catch this. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I have read this verse probably a million times. Okay, well not a million, but a lot. And one of the things that I've seen in this verse so many times is like, Oh, you just need to slow down. That's not what it's saying. Did you catch this? It says you got to be still and know that He's God. In other words, if, if that's true, then the inverse is true. You won't know Him until you are still. I, I caught, that caught me new this week as I was putting this together. We're called to turn the volume on the world down and turn His up a little bit today. Okay? Let Him speak to you. And here's the last one. I'm going to invite Mark on the way up here. Allow God to give you new purpose. Here's Elijah, does this miracle, goes through this time, wants to end his life. Praise God he didn't, because the next part of his story gave him incredible purpose. If you go on to 1 Kings 20 and later, you read that there's this other new kid that shows up. Not Elijah, but his name was Elisha, very close in name. And he realizes his purpose is to mentor him. Realizes that he sees that God is on this other kid. Realizes that he's called to be the one to help him. To 
train him, to mentor him. Here's the real secret to your depression, to, to the problems that you're facing. And there's a lot of them. Again, I'm not saying that this is a recipe to not go see a psychologist, to not be on medication. I'm not saying that. But the real secret is to have something in your life that's bigger than your problems. Amen? Have something bigger in your life than your problems. Let me give you this last scripture and I want to share a couple more thoughts and we'll close. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, not on my watch, we're not going to lose heart. Okay? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For light and momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen, it's temporary. Did you catch that? What is seen, it's temporary. Whatever you're walking through, it's temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is heaven. There's hope. If you're going, I don't have hope on this, then think of heaven. We don't teach on heaven very often. I'm going to in November. But heaven's this phenomenal place. There's no more tears. There's no more sadness. You might look at your circumstances today and go, I, I don't know that I can do this. It might look tough. You're losing hope. Not on our watch. Don't lose hope. I went through this a few months ago. You know, March, beginning of March. Dude, we were actually looking at property to buy for our church. We, we didn't have, we had every seat out that we had. We don't right now. We had every, uh, everything going. We, we had, were running out of space in our kids' ministry wing. We were running out of parking lot spaces. It felt good. It was like, this is awesome. Like, we got to figure out what to do next. And so we were talking to realtors. We were looking at city. And then, and then COVID happened. And all of a sudden, we couldn't meet, you know. It was like, what is going on? And, and, and so I went up on um, just a pastoral retreat. I said, I need to keep, take a couple days and figure out and pray for our church. What's our plan moving forward? Because I don't, I don't know. I, no, no one's ever gone through this before. So I went up, I prayed, and as I'm praying, I decide, hey, I feel like God's telling me to have two services. So I start, we start with two services. Well, uh, that Sunday, the governor said he went from 25% to 50% capacity. And I said, okay, now we don't need 25%. You know, percent. So we showed up. We had two services. It felt like we were very few people here at the time. And then we went back to one service. I'm trying to you know, align all this. And in the meantime, in this time, I, I can tell you, I probably shed more tears than I ever have as a pastor. I, I went through a lot, of, a lot of depressive thoughts. I started seeing a counselor. Because I thought, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know that's working. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And and I even, I had, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I went through, I know we're over just a minute, stay with me. But I went through those times where I had even thoughts of, what if I just get in my car and drive away and never come back? You know, and I, I talked to my wife about that. I said, something's, something's off. We started meeting again. I was doing a little bit better. Met a great guy from Family Innovations in Anoka. He was a pastor for years. He's retired. Been a great guy. So I've just been meeting with him every other week. We come back, and and uh, the mask mandate happens. And and I know we're all in different places on that. And all of a sudden, I'm getting texts from one side, texts from the other side. I'm going. I don't know how to manage this anymore. Um, you know, because half of you, I you know, I, I agree with some. I don't with the other. But I, you know, we want to be a place where we don't all have to agree on everything. 
we opened up our doors and a lot of people didn't want to come because of the mask mandate and it, it broke my heart because I thought this is not in my control there's nothing I can do I wept violently and I went away going God I don't, I don't know how to work through this again met with my counselor and one thing my counselor said was he said Chris you're trying to find your identity in the wrong thing he said, Chris, and, and I said, man, I'm, I'm not losing weight fast enough. I said, the church isn't growing like it was before. All these things. And my counselor just said to me, he goes, he goes, well, did you repent? And I said, well, yeah, I repent. I said, God, I'm sorry. He goes, no, 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 no. That's, that's like surface level repentance. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, did you say, God, forgive me for thinking that if those things happened, that you'd love me more? Whew. What I realized is my foundation was messed up. It wasn't right doesn't matter who's here, who's not here. doesn't matter if my kids eat PB&J or shrimp. doesn't matter. What matters is that I have a Father in Heaven that loves me so much that sent His Son so that I can have life, life to the fullest. And He gives me stories like Elijah, like Jeremiah, like Paul that I can learn from, that I can lean into, and that I can see a God who loves me right where I'm at. But catch this. Loves me right where I'm at, but loves me enough not to leave me where I'm at. Okay? He wants that for you too today. So let me just give you this. I'm praying and close and get you out of here. Our church number is on the stuff you, on your seat there. It's 763-753-2134. You say, hey, if you're dealing with depression, tell us. We want to walk through with you. We want to pray with you. If you say, hey, I need to give my life to Christ, just text yes. We want to pray for you as well. Let me just pray for all of you right now. And then um, after I'm done praying, I say amen. Let's just give God some praise and head on out. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you walk through us, Lord, when we're sick and when we're healthy. You love us on the mountaintop experience and in the valley. You love us in the miracle and the desperation. You love us every day, and you love us enough not to leave us here. And so, God, today, we say we believe in you. Have your way in my life. Have your way in the lives of every person here. God, wherever they're at in their faith journey, today, would you just move the needle a little bit? Would you take them to that next step in their faith journey? Would you bring healing? Would you bring hope to those that have had just tough circumstances the last uh, few days, the last few weeks, the last few months, the last few years? Those that feel there's no hope, would you just offer them so much hope and so much encouragement that only you can give today? I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise. We love you, Lord. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.